We're Kyler and Cody McCormick, two brothers on a journey to pave our own path while chasing our passion. While building our adventure filmmaking brand, The Outbound Life, we've become sponsored by some of the top brands in the film and travel industries, acquired Fortune 500 clients, and have spoken on stages all across the country sharing our story. We now invite you along on our journey as we sit down with inspiring entrepreneurs, creators, and diverse thought leaders to discuss how to live a life we consider outbound, a life where you believe your story matters and live beyond your limits. Come along and live the outbound life. Ladies and gentlemen, you are in for quite the treat today. We're sitting down talking to somebody who is a real hero of ours, somebody we had the chance to meet last year in San Diego and is really somebody in the leadership, management, and company culture space who is admired and followed all around the world for the values that he lives, practices, and preaches. We're sitting down with Gary Ridge. And as CEO of WD40 since 1997, Gary Ridge has helped reignite excitement and create cultures that foster breakthrough innovation in companies and workplaces in 62 countries. In addition to his full-time role at WD40 Company, Gary shares his experience and insights externally through executive coaching, consulting, and speaking. His firsthand experiences in transforming global brand with a market cap of $2.3 billion, as well as his deep, profound commitment to creating workplace cultures that support the individual passions of all who work there have attracted the recognition of today's most influential thought leaders. In 2016, he was named Igniter of the Year by Simon Sinek, author of Start With Why. Additionally, Inc.com placed him in the fourth position in its list of top 10 global CEOs in 2017. He also collaborated with Ken Blanchard of the One Minute Manager series on the landmark book, Helping People Win at Work. Gary, thank you so much for being here today, sir. Hey, good morning. You got all that wrong. I'm Gary Ridge, the consciously <laughs> incompetent, roughly right and probably wrong CEO and chairman of WD40 Company. And he throws the bio out, and this is why this is why we're talking to Gary. Well, Gary, thanks so much for for being with us this morning. We're excited to learn more about your story and share that with our audience. Um, I think kind of the first thing to kick things off. Uh, talking about your company, you share that you don't have employees, but you more so have a tribe. What exactly does that mean? Well, one of the biggest desires we have as human beings is to belong. If you think about Maslow's hierarchy to self-actualization, the first two rungs of that is, are, you know, am I able to feed myself and am I safe? And the third one is loving or belong. Hmm. And I know that anybody that's listening to us today has either left a company, an organization, an event, or even a relationship because they didn't feel like they belong. So, you know, a hmm. tribe has attributes that you belong to, you become part of. So, you know, teams are important in organizations, but we wanted to create a culture where people truly belong. And that's been incredibly powerful as we've gone through COVID because our, hmm. our promise to each other as a tribe is a group of people who come together to both protect and feed each other. And that's hmm. what we've been doing for the last, I don't know, 42 or so weeks as we've been riding the Corona coaster, as we call it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think what's exciting about you, Gary, is a lot of companies, and especially in our modern day, it's very popular to, let's say, have values, have a culture, you know, these these things that we live by. But you and, and the WD-40 culture, you, you're clearly leading a ship here that actually lives out what you're talking about. 
that's the real culture. And that became very evident to us when we came to visit the the headquarters of WD-40 in, in San Diego last year, because we walked in and it was like everything that we had read about you and that you talked about, we saw that it was actually embodied in a physical space. We walked into the lobby and one of the first things we saw was this giant teepee, right? And of course we say, Gary, what's, what's up with the teepee? And, and you tell us right then and there, we don't have employees, we have a tribe. And then you proceed to take us on this amazing tour. Like it felt like we were at Disneyland because you say, guys, do you know why it's called WD-40? And at the time, you know, I, I think I think we may have read it, you know, online, but but you proceeded to walk us up the stairs from the first story to the second story. And you pointed out how on each stair step, there's a number leading from one, two, three, all the way up to 40. And then you shared that this name, it represents a story of persistence, how it took 39 failures right, for these chemists back in the 50s to get the perfect formula to get to water displacement 40. And, and I, don't, I don't mean to share the story for you, but it was so remarkable that, wow, you guys believe in, in all these different values, persistence, that every single day when people are walking up the stairs, they're going to remember it. Why is it that, you know, specifically with that physical space, your headquarters in San Diego, and then even, you know, with, with your offices, because you have offices in many countries around the world, why is it that you really have worked hard to make sure that the physical place extends and is an embodiment of the things that you believe? Well, people have to be reminded of what's important and the values. And interestingly, as you walked up those stairs, the the actual 40th stair said success. Hmm. And, um, and today we wouldn't have called them failures, as you know. We would have called them learning moments. We don't yeah. make mistakes at WD-40 Company we have learning moments. But, you know, you have to create an environment that mirrors and embeds the beliefs and the values of the organization in it so people are continually reminded of it. And, you know, if, if, if you don't build and you're not intentional about a culture and the environment, people will create their own and it mm -hmm. may not be where you want to be. So the other thing that's important about our operations around the world is, and you might remember these, uh, we, we built the building um, to have what we call deliberate collision zones. Yeah, so that yeah. people mm. actually have to walk in to each other from time to time to have those impromptu conversations, that, that little special piece of mentoring that you get when you, sure. when you, mm. when you just run into someone. And uh, certainly, uh, that's part of our tribal equity. And one of the things we're missing right now is uh, not doing that. But we've been doing a lot of other fun things to make sure we continue to uh, top up the tribal equity, uh, which is so important to us. I don't know whether I shared with you my algorithm for, for building a culture or not, but it's pretty simple. Culture equals, and the equal sign means happens when, parentheses, values plus behavior close parentheses times consistency. So if you have a clear set of values and you have behaviors in the organization and you love and care enough about those that you lead, that you're brave enough to redirect behaviors that are not necessarily the ones you want. And more importantly, you're recognizing and applauding behaviors that are aligned with the values and the purpose of the organization. And you do it every, 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 every day Right. You end up with a very strong culture. Consistency is so important. That's interesting. Well, yeah. and I, it, to us, it seems so evident that it's contagious. Like you talk about having that strong culture at the workplace then goes beyond. And I can only imagine what that's like for 
an actual employee because I mean Kyler and I got to just have an experience where we came and saw the headquarters um, but for us it's been something that was contagious to us because we go around sharing this story of WD-40 a, you know a product line that everybody can recognize and everybody probably owns and yet they you know not everybody knows this amazing backstory so it's been a lot of fun for us to you know spread that to others because it truly inspired us and i don't think we you know we we've worked with a lot of great companies over the years and yet we don't see culture being such a focus as um you know the focus that you guys have done so that's been that's been really cool and i'm curious like you mentioned obviously not being in the workplace as much through covid I would assume most of your workforce is virtual right now. How do you organize those collisions to have people collaborating and make sure that that culture is moving forward in a positive way? Um, thanks. Yeah, there's been a number of ways. First thing we, we you know, when this thing broke um, in a big way back in February, March, in fact, uh, in March, as it was unfolding in Italy, I was actually in Italy and uh, mm. Um, heading for, um, for Nice to, for our half-year um, uh, European meeting. Hmm. Um, and, you know, the world changed pretty quickly around us. So the first thing uh, we did was we, we kind of reset our thinking about what's important to us today. And the number one, uh, we had three clear goals. The first one, it was the safety and the well-being of our tribe. And we made them very aware of that. The second one was uh, making sure that we uh, we served our customers and supported our vendor partners. And the third one was to ensure that we maintained the business infrastructure so that we were ready to, to thrive when we were over this. And we knew we would get over it. So we looked at stabilize, secure, reset, and thrive are the four things we thought about. But with our tribe, you know, it was turning up the volume of communication. And we've been doing some fun things. One that's on my mind right now, just a week or two ago, with the company turned 67 years old. Oh, wow. And we said, what will we do? So we said, well, let's, let's have the magic of WD-40. So we had a virtual global magic show. We brought in a magician uh, from the UK. We had uh, a about, I don't know how many people, there must have been three or four or 500 people on a platform. And it was midday here in San Diego. It was morning time in Australia. It was wine drinking time in Europe. We said to our tribe members, you know, go buy breakfast and put it on your expense account, get your lunch, get your afternoon tea, buy a bottle of wine. And we had this magic show, which was just beautiful. And we had tribe oh. members there with their kids sitting on their knees. Yeah. Um, next week, I think we've got a comedy hour going on. We're bringing a comedian in. Um, wow. We've done cool things. Our French team, you know, you know how much the French love food and fromage <laughs> sure. and wine. Um, they had a, a virtual dinner night where each of the tribe members were in their kitchen and they were actually cooking dinner in front of each other in the kitchen. Then they all went to their tables and, oh, wow. and they had their dinner. And, and that would be something they would normally do in our group meeting. So we've got these things going on all around the time, all around the world all the time. I communicate, as you know, with the tribe every morning. I send out my morning email, which is for today from. It's mm. always from San Diego at the moment because I don't get to go anywhere. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, you know, we've had a number of, of virtual, you know, other virtual meetings. So it's it's an intention. You know, we've got to continue to be to communicate. 
we've got to be present, mindful, and real to our people. Um, and, and I and transparency. You know, we hmm. we put out a COVID update letter every week to everybody, letting them hmm. know why we're doing what we're doing. So it's about communication. I think like seeing the vulnerability through COVID has been something that has come to the forefront with everybody, you know, working from home, having kids walk in on Zoom calls when it's only at work and you don't, you know, get to meet spouses or kids or, you know, learn what, well, what do you have a soccer ball in the back of your office? Like, okay, that's part of my life. Like now that's becoming really part of it. So I think it's, it's making people a lot more vulnerable. It's not in just these like, big fancy offices people are working from home and and it's a lot more raw but gary i would assume that um even going through this period has been difficult to navigate knowing what steps to take next and i would assume in your role having the responsibility that you do leading this company that stress comes with that i'm curious how you as a leader how do you manage that stress how do you keep yourself healthy so that you can put your best foot forward for those that you lead I love a quote of Simon Sinek. He said, working for something you love is called passion. Working for something that you don't care about is called stress. Mm. Wow. Wow. I I don't have a job. I have a purpose. My Mm. purpose is to serve, serve the people that I've been given the privilege to lead. You know, um, you know, the, it's all based on what Aristotle said in 384 BC, pleasure in the job puts perfection in the work. And uh, so I, I really look at what I do is I'm very passionate about it. I love what I do. I, I, I'm just honored and privileged to be given the opportunity to lead the people that, that I lead at WD40 company. Uh, and, you know, I love what Bob Chapman from Barry Weinmiller says. He says, everybody in the company is someone's precious child. Hmm. And that's really important. So, um, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't really have a, a lot of stress. I mean, wow. I could create, wow. I could, cre- I could create a lot. I'm sure. Yeah. I, often <laughs> say, I often say I'm a, <laughs> I, I'm not a, I don't have stress, but I'm, I'm a carrier, you know, I'm not a. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It could be easy to put that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But truly, but truly, you know, I, I learned a long time ago, I think I might've told you the story, uh, you know, I had an aha moment. I was flying from Los Angeles to Sydney, you know, 25, 30 years ago. And I was reading some of the Dalai Lama's work and hmm. the Dalai Lama says our purpose in life is to make people happy. If we can't make them happy, at least don't hurt them. And that mm. stuck with me forever. Um, mm. I, I want to try and create positive, lasting memories um, in the role that we play, and uh, we, you know, we try to do that at WD40. That's beautiful, and you know, like I'm actually excited to talk about that specifically, Simon Sinek, and you know, he's a big hero of ours, and we've we've met him a couple times at these random sorts of things over the years, but for the people at home who aren't familiar with Simon's work and gosh, if, if you haven't read his book, start with why, or uh, seen his Ted talk, you're really missing out. He gave actually one of the most watched Ted talks of all time called start with why. And, um, one of the really interesting things he talks about is this idea of the golden circle. And uh, Gary, I know this is something that you've worked with him on and it is very clear in the WD-40 culture. Would you mind kind of breaking that down specifically for WD-40, what the WD-40, why, how, and what is? Sure. 
um, WD-40's why is we exist to create positive lasting memories in everything we do. We solve problems, we make things work smoothly, and we create opportunities. So that's our why. Hmm. Our how is we create positive lasting memories by cultivating a tribal culture of learning and teaching, which produces a highly engaged workforce who live our company's values every day. Our what is our mission is to deliver unique, high value, easy to use solutions for, for a wide variety of maintenance needs in workshops, factories and homes. We make and distribute our brands across multiple trade channels in 176 countries around the world. So everybody gets the opportunity to touch what we do. Hmm. That's amazing. And I think, Gary, it's fun because I think with very few companies out there, are, are they thinking about maybe that why, so to speak? I mean, for you guys, WD-40, everybody knows the the can and it's in, I think it's something like eight out of 10 American homes. Of course, everybody is familiar with WD-40, but you wouldn't think of WD-40 as, as a business that's in the memories business, creating these positive lasting memories. And, and you know, when we hear you speak or different people from your company, it's so clear that that's really what you guys are about. I'm curious, how did you guys discover that that would be your purpose? That it wasn't about, you know, the, the oil can and, and anything else. It, it was about memories. Well, it, it, the memories really appeals to the three constituent groups that we serve. Um, hmm. That we serve our end users. And, you know, if, if we just thought about my making oil in a can, we wouldn't have come up with it, it memories drive innovation it wouldn't we wouldn't have come mm -hmm. up with smart straw our delivery system easy reach our delivery system mm -hmm. we wouldn't have de de delivered wd40 specialist you know when we i've been sitting in innovation meetings and someone will put a a product concept up and the first question we all ask each other what is the positive lasting memory this will create with the targeted end user and if we can't identify hmm. that and be very clear about that, that's out. We don't hmm. care if we could make $10 billion on it. It's out. If it, because hmm. if we can't create the positive lasting memory, we don't manufacture this glue that glues us to our end users. We just become oil in a can. Very, very important. The second hmm. group that we serve is our people. But they, and these are not in any particular order. I would put people first. Um, and you know, if, if we create positive lasting memories with our people, w the will of the people will be high. Now think of it this way. Let's say we, we use employee engagement as a measurement of the will of the people. In Simon Sinek's mm -hmm. latest book, the, the Infinite Game, which is an absolute must read for any entrepreneur out there. Love that book. Absolutely fabulous. He talks about the will of the people. So let's say that as an organization, you, you mark your strategy out of one of, to a hundred of, of, you've got a really good strategy. So you've given yourself 80 points, very strong strategy, well thought out, you know, you've got what you need. And let's say the will of the people or the employee engagement is 30, which is about what the average is in the United States. What's 30 times 80? 2,400? Yeah. Uh, yes. 2,400. Okay, so your, 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 your deliverable, your outcome, your result of that is 2,400. But let's say that your strategy was 50 because not those, your strategies are kind of 50-50, but the will of the people, the, 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 the employee engagement was 90. 90 hmm. times 50 is what? A huge number. Sure. Yeah. So Drucker says culture eats strategy for breakfast. 
I say a strong culture with high engagement makes breakfast a feast. Hmm. There's the difference. So, and then the third third person we, or the third group that we serve is our, our owners, our shareholders. And if we have high will of the people, if we're creating positive lasting memories for our end users, if we take care of our people, they will take care of our customers and our customers will take care of our shareholders. So we'll create positive lasting memories for our shareholders. Wow. I love that. I love that perspective because when you outline it like that, it makes so much sense where I think so many companies first focus on their bottom line, focus on, especially when you're a public company trying to take care of your shareholders and everything else kind of falls by the wayside. And it's very clear that people get over that people get run over in that process. People get stomped on, people aren't heard, people aren't valued. And that's something that really has stuck out through your company is that these people really are first. Um, Gary, people, it's such a focus of what you do. Have you always been passionate about people? Have you always been passionate about helping others, you know, find fulfillment in what they do? Like, why, why is that such a prominent thing for you? Because I'm consciously incompetent and probably wrong and roughly right. And mm-hmm. the three most important words I ever learned in my life are, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't do it on mm-hmm. my own. Micromanagement is not scalable. And I, I think, if anything, during my my life so far, I've become more and more and more convinced that it's all about the people. Early on, yeah. you know, I was, you know, I had, you know, traits of Al, the soul sucking CEO in me, I'm sure. And I think I did. <laughs> Al. Yeah. But, um, you know, it was, you know, be brief, be bright, be gone, you know, let's get it done. But as you, you know, as you realize that, you know, you, you don't know it all. The three most important words I ever learned was I don't know. And when I got really comfortable with those, you know, I, I went back to school just after I became CEO and I did my hmm. master's degree in leadership. And that's where I met my, okay. my very dear friend, Ken Blanchard, who I'm hmm. grateful and that he's been my met one of my mentors and probably my main mentor in, in serving hmm. leadership. And it, it became clear to me that if we could create, if we could do, what Aristotle said, if we could create a place where there was pleasure in the work, then, you know, we would have high performance. I am absolutely convinced that purpose-driven, passionate people guided by their by values create amazing outcomes. You cannot change that point of view in me. Interesting. Well, Gary, so let's, let's rewind to your upbringing. I'm curious, <laughs> growing up, did you always see yourself as a leader? Uh, you know, as a kid, did you have a dream to become a CEO of a publicly traded company? <laughs> I, I would assume not. Like what, what did your upbringing look like? And when did you start to kind of, when did you start finding this path? I never dreamt to be the CEO of anything. Um, I just had one thing, get in the game, play your best game every game, and there's a chance you'll get picked on the A team. And hmm. you know, my dad hmm. worked for one company for 50 years from when he was 15 hmm. to 65, and I learned some lessons from him. You know, it was, uh, you know, your word is your bond, Gary, uh, a fair hmm. day's work for a fair day's pay. You know, I, I did lots of little jobs when I was a kid. I, was a, I worked on the back of a milk truck. I was a paper boy. You know, I delivered hmm. pharmacy 
on my bicycle, I worked in a sports store, you know, all of the things you do when you're a kid to earn the money you need to, to buy that new bike or do what you want to do. Um, and I, I think I did have a, an interest in, in, in people. You know, I started in retail. That was a people business. Yeah. Um, but I never, ever, ever had any ambition to be the chairman and CEO of a $2.5 billion uh, U.S. company. Um, and, you know, you learn along the way. You, when you look back, you know, there were these kind of pivots and disruptions in your life. I, you know, I love... Whitney Johnson's work, she talks about the S-curve and how you disrupt yourself. And if I look at any time in my life that has been a, a huge positive change, it's when I've disrupted myself. In other mm. words, you know, the huge disruption of moving from Sydney, Australia to San Diego, that, that's a huge mm. disruption. I mean, right. I left my homeland, I picked up my family and I moved to a country I'd never lived in before. But what a mm. wonderful experience in the end. You know, you have mm. to be game enough to do that. Yeah, that, that's amazing. And I think something that I, I think I'm quite curious about, you do speaking and coaching and even writing, you contributed with a book called Work is Love Made Visible. I think for a lot of people, work is seen as, you know, it's in this box. I make a living and then I live my life. And for you, it seems like maybe the lines blur a little bit. You find this could be something that actually passion and purpose and all these things could come from. So I'm curious just to ask straight up, like, what do you think the purpose of someone's job should be? Should it always be this thing where we're getting more and more uh, meaning from and it's something where you're growing? Can it be something where it's just you go to your job, clock off, come home to your family? What, what do you think is the purpose of work in somebody's life? Or does that differ person to person? Well, I'm sure it differs person to person, but I think that if you're not happy, don't do it. You know, mm -hmm. happiness, happiness is very important. Be happy now. And if mm -hmm. you're going to wait for the world to be perfect, everything to be okay, to be happy, you're going to have a very long wait. But first, a word about our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by Rode Microphones, the Australian pro audio powerhouse making incredible gear for podcasters, vloggers, filmmakers, musicians, and audio engineers. Be mm. happy now. And meaning to me is so important. Um, and, and meaning to me, I can describe it. Meaning is, is really simply the results of what I am doing matters to me and helps others. Hmm. That's what meaning. So everything that I do, I put through that meaning kind of uh, hmm. that, that, that meaning um, explanation. And if I doesn't, if it's not positive, I won't do it because hmm. it, meaning is so important. And, you know, we have to, you know, imagine a place where you go to work every day, you make a contribution to something bigger than yourself. You learn something new. You feel safe and are set free by a compelling set of values and you go home happy. Happy hmm. people create happy communities. Happy communities create happy countries. Happy countries create a happy world. We need a happy world. Isn't hmm. it our job as leaders to send as many people home happy as we possibly can? I hmm. believe so. Yeah. I believe we should be doing that. So that's why that definition of meaning, that, that focus of meaning is so important to me results mm. of what I am doing matters to me and helps others. Mm. Makes it real simple. 
Yeah, Gary, what would you say to somebody that is not working for a large organization in leadership or as an employee? And this is somebody that maybe is self-employed, they have their own organization, and they're kind of caught between this, this boundary line of trying to pay their bills and then also trying to lead a meaningful organization. Like, how do you balance that? I don't know if I'm smart enough to have that answer. Um, but the, the only thing I would say is if they're passionate about the cause and the purpose of what they're doing, then the rest will come. Um, hmm. And, you know, hmm. you've also got to make sure, you know, our, our values, our, our number six value, which is, as you know, our values are, are ranked, they're force ranked, they're hierarchical. Our number one value is we value doing the right thing. Our number two value is we value creating positive, lasting memories in all of our relationships. Our number six value is we value sustaining the WD-40 economy. And yeah. that, what does that mean? It means for us to be able to have a business model that provides the energy and the resources to do what we do, it has to be a good business model. So yeah. sometimes I've seen people who say, I'm really, in, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm trying to do this, I, I'm, not, I'm not making it and I, I'm not really passionate about what I'm doing. They have no chance yeah. of winning. Or they're yeah, really, bad spot. bad spot, or they're really passionate about what they're doing, but I've sat with them and said, okay, let's truly look at this business. Is there a business case for this? Can you generate what you need in the economy of your business to be able to support what you want to do over time. Mm. That's the infinite game. If you can't, you've got to go back and look at your strategy and, and look at your, your business case to see whether that it's really viable. If you don't, you're going to live in the land of frustration for a long time and you will not be happy. Be happy now. You have to look at it in a very realistic way. And I think that that's been our experience in our own business of we've definitely gone through many pivots in our business model. Um, but so we've had to have a hard look at that also with other entrepreneurs that we've worked with in the past that, you know, I think, I think in today's culture, being an entrepreneur is a very, it's a very sexy thing. It's like people, people are getting drawn to it. They think, you know, I can be my own boss. I can go down this path, do what I want, live, work the hours I want, travel when I want all of that. And, there are some of those luxuries that come with it if you, you know, end up building a business that can provide for itself and do what you love. But it, it's a difficult process. And I think we've definitely been those to help encourage people to you have to have a hard look at what your business model is and look at the um, validity of it, because <laughs> just because you want to do something and you're gifted at it doesn't mean you're going to be profitable and be able to sustain yourself and your family if you have that or employees. Um, that's definitely um, a difficult thing that a lot of people walk through. Um, Gary, I'm curious, I, I want to transition a little bit. Uh, in life, it's crucial to be proactive as opposed to reactive. And there's something really cool that you do with your tribe is that you have them take what's called the maniac pledge. And I think this is incredible um it's to, to me it's like i read through this and i'm like wow you're really having them take some ownership here can you share with us what that maniac pledge is sure um let me give you the the the, the purpose behind it if you will hmm. uh we believe that there are four pillars that you stand on our, our business model stands on the pillar of care the pillar of candor the pillar of accountability 
and the pillar of responsibility. Hmm. The pillar of care is really based on making sure that empathy eats your ego instead of ego eating your empathy. The the pillar of candor is no lying, no faking, no hiding. I believe most people don't lie, but I believe because of fear, they fake and hide. Hence why we have the learning Mm. moment. The pillar of accountability. Mm. What do I expect from you and what do you expect from me? And how are we going to help each other get there? And then the final one is the pillar of responsibility. And that's where the maniac pledge comes in. And I wanted to give you know, the, the listeners some, some background. And, and yeah. the maniac pledge starts with three very simple words. I am responsible. So it says, I am responsible for taking actions, asking questions, getting answers and making decisions. I will not wait for someone to tell me if I need to know I'm responsible for asking. I have no right to be offended if I didn't get this sooner. And if I'm doing something others should know about, I am responsible for telling them. So again, it, wow. I, think, wow. I think in any situation, you have to define very clearly what the, the pillars or the words mean. And that's why I, I define mm-hmm. care, counter, accountability, responsibility. Well, that, wow. I mean, yeah, as, as you read through that, to me, again, it is slightly shocking because I don't think many people want to take the type of ownership that this does require. It makes me think of, um, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Jocko Willink, but he wrote the book Extreme Ownership. He's a past Navy SEAL team leader, and he talks a lot about the fact you have to take extreme ownership. Um, under his watch, there were casualties in war, pe- people that he was responsible for. Um, and as a leader, he had to he had to own up and be like, this is this is under my watch. This happened under me. I have to own this for my team and not just put it on somebody because this happened. And it's like stories like that that are um, transformational to me to see how a leader can really take so much ownership. So I think that's really powerful that you help um, lead your team in a way that they are taking ownership through and they can't be upset at others for things that, um, you know, have to be in their own control. And so that's really interesting. And it gives you the opportunity to have the conversation when you want to. So someone comes to you, quack, 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 quack. I didn't know quack, 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 like a duck, right? <laughs> and you say, wait, wait, wait a minute. Um, you, 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 you're part of the tribe. Uh, you, you are bought into and took the maniac pledge. I'm not sure why we're having this conversation. Go and Mm. enact the maniac pledge. It's your responsibility. Oh, yeah, okay. Mm. Um, (laughs) So it's very powerful. Totally. That's amazing. And I think um, one of the things I'm really passionate about doing and even what's really interesting with this podcast is the opportunity to talk to amazing minds who I think, you know, have you've you've achieved some great level of success and have purpose in your own life. But I think one of the things that often happens with our listeners with really any of us, because I'm sure you face this in your own life and everybody does, is we can look at these people who are achieving amazing things. But of course, by looking at them, we separate ourselves from them. Well, of course he can do this. He's some amazing CEO. He has all the answers, whatever that is. And I'm curious to hear from you because I think it's so important to remind people that you're human and you're learning and you're a student. So I'm curious to ask, what was, let's say a major risk that you took at some point in your life 
um, business or or outside of that that maybe did not pan out the way you expected or had had hoped it hoped it might. I'll say two things. Firstly, you said talk to amazing minds. When you said that, I thought, who's he calling next? That's not me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think I might have thousands of those, and I call them learning moments. Um, yeah. You know, I I really. You know, as I say, in most situations, I'm probably wrong and roughly right. And I'm very comfortable with that. Um, you know, I don't know I could think of a major one, but I know there's been thousands of them where, you know, things have just you know, not panned out the way that you wanted them to be. And as long as you learn from it um, and don't waste it, don't waste the learning moment. I mean, they're so precious. Mm. Um, and even, you know, as we go through COVID now, um, you know, I've made a list of, I don't know how many is on this list, but I know that, that the, the people in the audience or are, are hearing us can't see it, but this is my list right. of learning uh-huh. uh, during COVID. And, oh, wow. Really? And, Would you mind sharing maybe one of those with us? I'll share a couple. Uh, recognize that your employees are on a, a heroic journey of their own and they will come hmm. to work changed people. Think about empathy, appreciation, and respect. Another one. Uncertainty is a series of future events that may or may not happen. That was a big aha for me when you think about uncertainty. Um, Be vulnerable. In times of great and real need, we can pivot around fear. So, Hmm. you know, Hmm. um, there's there's a whole lot here. Some Some are new. Some were dormant in my mind. You know, they were dormant uh, learnings from the past and they came out and, yeah, yeah. that's right. And, you know, some I just had to strengthen my leadership muscle on that I, I you know, I'd, I'd not used them for a while. So my leadership muscle had got out of shape. Gary, have you always been a big note taker? Like, it seems like you, you like to really organize thoughts that pop in your head and you write them down so that you can remember them. Because I feel like I, I've never naturally been a note taker. So these <laughs> thoughts pass through my mind. But ha- has that always been something for you or have you learned that? No, always, you know, because I, I don't have a very good memory. And, um, you know, I, if you were sitting in my home office here right now to the left, there's a flip chart and I must have, I don't know, 50 post-it notes on there with, with little things that I've learned during a day that I then put mm. over here. Mm. And in the morning, I'll come and I'll read through them and, and kind of reflect on them. And, and uh, you know, I've got them here on my on my on my computer. I've got them everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Even on that topic, I can't overemphasize how important I think it is for people to hear even little statements like that. I mean, when you say, I don't think I have a good memory, you don't think about this. You don't think a leader is going to have these challenges and yet they can overcome. And it makes me even think of your good friend, uh, Ken Blanchard, who I remember hearing some of his story of just how growing up, I think he was told he wouldn't become a writer. And of course, he's not qualified. And then he goes on to write, I don't know how many dozens of books, becomes one of the best selling authors of all time in leadership. And it's just, um, gosh, so refreshing for me to hear little things like that. You saying, I don't have a good memory yet. Here you are. You can lead while not being perfect. Um, you know, consistency and reminder is so important. And Marshall Goldsmith, yeah. who, who you know is a good friend of mine, uh, he mm-hmm. has this process called daily questions. And the daily questions are, hmm. they're, they're active questions. And it's, did I do my best today too? And I ask myself 18 hmm. questions every day. Did I do huh. my best today to set clear goals, achieve these goals? You know, did I do my best huh. to thank people? Did I do my best to 
declare victory? Did I do my best to show empathy? Did I do my best to be a good leader? And I mark myself every hmm. day on these. Did I really? do my best to, wow. to walk my steps? Because I, 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 I need that discipline to keep me focused yeah. because opportunities are abundant. Focus is a gift. Hmm. We only have time, talent, treasure, and technology, and none of them are abundant. So we need hmm. to make sure we are very focused on, you know, what are we, where are we going to spend our, our precious time? Because you know, you can't, I can't get it back. I mean, this, this, yeah. this time we're spending together, I'm giving you something I can never get back. Right. Yeah. Gary, on that note, uh, we'd love to jump into uh, a little uh, part of this interview that we call the rapid fire round, where we just kind of rattle off a few questions and whatever comes to mind first, just just let us know what that is. Uh, first question, if you had to start over tomorrow, no book, experience, resume, connections, what would be the first thing that you would do? Listen more. Um, what advice would you give to your 20 year old self? Uh, you don't know. Hmm. Hmm. Do you think everyone can be a leader? Yes. Hmm. Something I'm really curious about. What's one thing you don't travel without? My underwear. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty important. That's good. Everyone should follow um, that. What's something that you want to do before you die? Live. That's great. And what's a very practical experiment that you'd recommend everyone to try this week? Be happy. How? Be intentional. Um, if you're going to wait, I said it earlier, if you're going to wait for everything in the world to be happy, you're going to have a very long wait. Be happy now. Ask you, do this. Did I do my best today to be happy? Be happy now. Wow. We want to be honoring to your time here. So I want to wrap up maybe with the story that comes to mind actually on that point of when we visited last year, I remember you sharing two challenges and you were talking about the importance of treating people good. You know, maybe you're talking about the Dalai Lama and that quote about, um, a purpose in life is to make people happy. If you can't make them happy, at least don't hurt them. Mm -hmm. Exactly that. At least don't hurt them. And on that point of at least don't hurt them. He said, guys, here, here's a fun experiment. One day walk around and just like uh, be an asshole to everybody, right? Watch what happens when you're just rude, you're short. Watch because this person who's behind the drive through counter at the front desk of the hotel, they have a family at home. And when you spread that to them, they're going to carry that. They're going to be that vessel that brings whatever you just shared. So that's going to have compound effects. But I think you continue to say the challenge part two the next day might be just try to be as nice as you possibly can to everybody, right? The person behind the hotel desk, ask, how's your day going? Right. Like, you know, you talk about belonging, make somebody feel seen and and then see, you know, the compound effects of that. And um, I think it's really cool that at the base of everything you practice and preach, this massive company that you're leading and culture, blah, 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 all of that is just like, you know, try to be kind to people or at least don't hurt them. Hmm. Correct. And, you know, I, I think I ended those stories with the day that you were asshole all day, you went home and you felt bad. Yeah. The day yeah. that you were nice to people every day, you went home and you felt good. And I'll tell you, I got a lot more upgrades on airplanes and a lot more upgrades at hotels being nice to people than being an ass. <laughs> that's profound. Well, I think that's a great thing to, to leave the audience with. Be happy now. I think that's such great advice. 
Um, and Gary, what's what's a great way for people that are curious more about your journey and the leadership that your uh, leadership teaching that you're putting out there? Where can people follow along your journey? Sure, a um, couple of places. I'm on LinkedIn. I publish articles on there. I just published one a couple of weeks ago, which is about the the, the, the learnings of the leadership learnings of lockdown 2020. Yeah. Um, and then I have a website, uh, www.thelearningmoment.net. Um, and I publish blogs on there and connections to a few things, but that's probably, probably the two best places. Excellent. Well, yeah, everybody definitely go check them out. I, I read through that LinkedIn article and it's very profound and gave me a new perspective on the whole COVID era. I've seen obviously a lot of teachings come out of it, but I haven't seen it from the perspective that Gary shared, which was really cool. So definitely um, go give him a follow on there. But Gary, thank you so much for taking your time uh, to connect with us here. I definitely learned more about your story and uh, yeah, I'm encouraged to uh, go be kind to people today and <laughs> not be an a-hole. So that's what I'm t- that's what I'm taking away from it. <laughs> Good for yeah. you. A wow. real, a real privilege. You. Thank you, Gary. Thank you for giving us the most valuable thing you have, your time. Um, really inspired. Really means a lot to yeah. us. It's a pleasure. Life's a gift. Don't send it back unwrapped. Mm. <laughs> awesome. Thanks Amazing. so much. A few closing thoughts, guys. First, we're so grateful you took the time to listen today. It really means a lot to us to be able to share our journey with you. Second, if you got any value or inspiration from this episode, please take a minute to leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Lastly, remember, your story matters. So go for it today and live the outbound life.